the key word for success, in my opinion, is consistency. Um, what I see a lot of businesses doing is pivoting in a, in a quarterly, like biannual basis. And I think that confuses the matter. I think you need to be consistent. You need to trust your team. You need to be able to fall back on experiences that you've had before. Welcome to the Sigma Podcast. I'm your host, Marietta Brinkart, and today we have the privilege of having a conversation with a true powerhouse in the world of business development and digital markets. Our guest today is Martin Collins, the Chief Business Development Officer at Soft2Bet, a company renowned for its extensive experience in developing market-leading gamified products and solutions. With a career defined by success and a passion for driving growth, Martin's expertise is something to behold. With him today, we'll explore business development strategies and the ever-evolving landscape of the iGaming industry. Welcome, Martin. Yeah, thanks, Maria. So, Soft2Bet, we're going to talk about Soft2Bet and your role there. Soft2Bet are renowned for their extensive industry experience in developing market-leading gamified products and solutions. What have been some of the most valuable insights during your time there at Soft2Bet? So, I think that everybody in the industry understands that engagement and getting the preferred ROI from your spend, your marketing spend, is, is all a priority for every single brand and... Um, and platform provider across the industry. Um, and having been in the industry for 20 years, it's a conundrum that everybody's been trying to solve for, for many years. How do we stop spending, spending, spending to acquire, 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 and actually make more money from the customers that we've already generated? Um, since business began, everybody knows it's easier to make money from a customer you've already dealt with and had dealings with and trust you than somebody who, who doesn't know you and is coming new. So, so what we try to do is, is actually understand the audience and create solutions that engages that audience on behalf of the brand. Um, as you can appreciate, different audiences have, have different motivations. So if, if you're speaking about a casino customer, they have very, very different um, motivations to a sports customer. So what we've tried to do is create um, various solutions, and we have tens of solutions in terms of gamification. We have City Builder, we have Stadium Builder for sports, we have our um, our Cash Crab, which is, is really cool. It's a bonus feature that um, allows you to go to a live claw scenario where you can actually pick up bonuses on ba- and, and go back and play with. So what we've seen is that with these games... Um, with, with, with these gamification features that, that sit inside the casino or the sportsbook itself, that it dramatically drives engagement. Now, that could be the amount of time that they spend on the site, that could be the spend, that could be simply sitting playing the game. Like with, with, with Cash Crab, you can actually buy um, buy into the, the feature itself and play with the feature itself. So we, we are seeing increases in increase increase KPIs in all areas with these features and ultimately we're creating a brand equity for our customers that takes their marketing spend and drives a better ROI and a more sustainable business model over time. So you mentioned you've been in the industry for 20 years, that's quite a long time. Yes. In your experience in um, since you've been in the industry, how has digital markets shaped your career paths and your approach to 
business development. Okay, so I, I started as a, a recruiter, um, and before I got into iGaming and the, the digital side of things, I, I was in the construction market, and I have to say it was the most boring experience of my life. I was there for five years. <laughs> I still have friends who do the same thing, and genuinely, I don't know how they do it, I just I found it really mundane. Um, and I was in Glasgow and I came across um, a guy by the name of David Copeland, who's the founder of Betting Jobs. And I sat down with him and he essentially turned around and said, you can apply what you're good at, the skills that you've created as a recruiter, and you can do it in a market that you're interested in, i.e. sports betting, casino, all of these cool things. And this was back um, early 2000s. And the, the industry was very fledgling. It was pre-UEGA. Um, we were working in we were basically chasing the sun in the UK and Glasgow at the time. We were waking up, we were dealing with Australia, and at the end of the day, we were dealing with San Francisco, Costa Rica. Right? So it, <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty incredible experience for a young guy at the time. So in the construction industry, I remember sending faxes. That's how you communicated with customers, phone calls and faxes. And once we came into the digital space, that, that changed. I remember email... Yeah, everybody takes it for granted now. In fact, it might be outdated a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is, is the email was a new thing for it, for me when I came into this industry. But what, what I quickly realised was, is that with it being digital, the volume of data that you have access to is much greater than in traditional industries. We used to have to wait, when I was in construction, working in recruitment construction, we had to wait till every Thursday to get a package for all our leads. So all of the all of the new construction projects that were happening, we used to get them and we, we used to have to wait. And what I realized was immediately when we when I came into the, the iGaming space was that all the information's like a click away. So that made a big difference. And I know for you know millennials and people who are um, digital natives that might seem strange but I sort of parallel I, I sort of worked across both so that shift was was pretty interesting now in terms of wh what I've learned about how to develop business is that it, it really is a data-driven exercise um, now it could be core data that you get and you analyze and you look at but it's also about who you speak to and the information that you glean from them this industry is a very tight industry. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know everybody in the industry, but I know a lot of people in the industry, and there's people's opinions that I trust. And it's important to gather that information when you're trying to develop business as well, because you can get a feel for for the, the way the industry is going and what people are looking for. You know, I said, I said previously about gamification, that everybody wants to get more ROI from their marketing spend. And sitting down with people and understanding those issues allows you to develop the business and take it forward and provide solutions that are pertinent at that particular time. You seem like you know the industry inside out. I mean, you've had quite a lot of achievements as well. In your role as director in sales business development at your previous company, you secured an impressive 21 platform deals in 2022. What strategies and tactics did you and your team employ to achieve such success, apart from what you've mentioned already? Okay. So I'd, I'd love to say, Maria, that there is a formula that you can go into a business and you can apply it and it will work immediately. That's not how sales and business development works. It's just simply not in, in any area, particularly when you're selling complex solutions. 
So the key word for success, in my opinion, is consistency. Um, what I see a lot of businesses doing is pivoting in a, in a quarterly, like biannual basis. And I think that confuses the matter. I think you need to be consistent. You need to trust your team. You need to be able to fall back on experiences that you've had before because every every pitch that you go into, every discovery call that you do, you've got to ask different questions and it's about bringing all that together and having a consistent approach that's lined up with your marketing plan as well. Okay, so a lot, a lot of organisations, their sales and their marketing might not be necessarily aligned with each other. They need to be aligned because if the message you're giving in a marketing perspective is different from the sales message, then that, that creates uncertainty. So you need consistency and certainty. And if you manage to nail that over a period of time, people will begin to trust you and start to buy from you. That, that's the key. And obviously, to have this consistency, there needs to be some sort of analysis before you can go into this. So how do you approach internal and external strategic analysis to drive these positive improvements for your company and other brands? Okay, so let me, let me answer externally first. So, <clears throat> so you need to understand who your ideal customer profile is for each of your products. Now, every product has a different profile of a customer that you're looking to identify. If you want to create a one-size-fits-all solution, you're going to struggle in this industry because you have different maturity, different size, different objectives within the target group that you're looking at. So you need to be relatively specific about the type of businesses that you can bring value to. So that's the first thing. You need to have an ideal customer profile for your product. If you don't have that, you may have some success, but probably not as much as you would like. Plus, you're selling a value solution here. You're trying to bring value to these organizations. If you're going to everybody, you're not going to bring as much value, and therefore your margin is going to be affected, um, and ultimately that will impact you further down the line. If you, you might go out and you might sign 10 deals, but if the value, okay, the margin, is less than you initially anticipated because they don't perceive the value as, as greatly as a ideal customer would, then it's going to affect your ability to make money further down the line, no questions. Now, internally, again, I'll go, I'll go back to the, the data-driven element that I spoke about. It's really, really important that you're constantly on top of your numbers. So you need your solution to be able to analyse exactly the activity that's going on in real time. And if you have that, and you can spot trends, and you understand your business, then that allows you to adjust internally, both for yourself, but also on behalf of your customer as well. So data is really key internally. If you have that, then you're, you're definitely at an advantage. Um, so you said that customization is a key factor in this process. Would you say it's what keeps you ahead of the curve? Okay, so ahead of the curve is a term that um, I find a little bit, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because being ahead of the curve in some instances can be a great thing but sometimes it can be a bad thing. Let, let me give you an example. So I remember back in 2006, 2007, 2008, probably right up to 2012, we were being told as an industry, okay, next year is the year of mobile, right? And there was organisations, tech businesses, solutions that were, were buying into this, spending a lot of money and driving products that were ultimately redundant because 
the technology on mobile wasn't quite there yet. Now, when the iPhone came in, etc., obviously made a big difference. I think that was around about maybe 2007, 2008. Um, I just watched the Blackberry movie actually, so if you if you're into your business movies, you should watch that. It's quite a good one. But iPhone came in about two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, and that changed the scenario. But all these guys who had been spending money since two thousand and two, you know, they'd spent a hell of a lot of cash unless they had really deep pockets. A lot of these a lot of these products fell by the wayside. So be careful about the term ahead of the curve because you can be so ahead of the curve that it's actually a negative thing. It's generally perceived as a positive thing, but but how do we how how do you say stay ahead of the curve? Again, it's 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 just about data. It's about understanding your customer. It's about understanding the challenges that the industry face on a on a day to day basis. If you can understand that and you can put yourself in the shoes of the operator and maybe more importantly of the actual consumer that is utilizing the product then you're at an advantage and you can really take and you can really push that forward but I'll go back to my original point timing is key all right if you're building stuff that really and truly isn't pertinent yet yes you're ahead of the curve but it's not going to make you any it's not going to bring you any revenue you need to be in the right place at the right time and again, I go back to what you were saying and when you said there were different trends at different times, there was the mobile gaming coming in. Yeah. What do you think are some current trends and developments right now in digital markets and what do you find particularly interesting or influential? Also, what can be the leading up to uh, potentially impacting future business opportunities, in your opinion? Okay, so the, the, the obvious one that's, that's jumping out at the moment is the, the growth of regulated markets within within our industry, um, the majority of Europe, um, the majority of Europe, North America, um, are regulated or regulating, um, which is very different to back in two thousand six, two thousand and seven, when everything was dot com. Um, it's a very different market entirely about how you need to operate and how you need to. How you need to approach the entire scenario. It's not. Um, it's not like the dot com days where anything goes. It's literally. It's restricted. There's a framework in place. You have to adhere to that, and you need to find advantage in different ways, because you have this framework that probably dictates maybe 70 percent of how you operate. So the defining factors of your brand are are very very different. Are very very similar. Um, but smaller, so sorry, let me explain myself. The 60 or 70% of the brands are very, very similar simply because they have to adhere in exactly the same way. So you only have 30, 40% in order to actually create USPs and define yourself. So, and, and obviously your marketing spend, the cost of working in these markets is much greater in order to acquire and maintain customers. So therefore, you need to be quite clever. You need to be, excuse me, I'm going back to our previous point, but you need to be ahead of the curve somewhat, right? <laughs> but you need to be careful as well, right? Because as we've seen in some markets, some people have tried to do certain things and they've been penalised for it. Um, I can think of Ontario. Um, I can think of the UK. I can think of the Sweden. There's lots of fines being handed out with people trying to define their brand in a, in a particular way particular way to set them apart from the competition. So I, I think the regulated market trend will continue. I think that we will see 
There's 38 states in the US that have sports now, seven have casino. I think everybody in the industry is waiting for casino to really be driven forward in the states. Um, I think we're probably, we, we need to do a better job at lobbying in the states in order to make that actually happen, in my opinion. Um, so therefore, lobbying is actually becoming part of the industry, which is which is strange. If, if you're not good at lobbying, then you won't get what you want. So it's it's important. I think LATAM is starting to really regulate. So you, you, you have two scenarios there. You have an industry that's growing and becoming more popular. You have economies that are growing at the same time and currencies that are becoming more valuable. So I think you'll see a lot of concentration on that. In fact, um, in fact, you, you already see the growth. You can already see the growth. There's big organisations out there that are dominating these markets. And that, that, seems, that seems monopolistic, but I think that genuinely creates opportunity for smaller guys to come in and find their niche and develop their market share. So, so yeah, um, did I answer your question? That's, For sure it yeah, did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to measuring success, uh -huh. um, how do you measure the success of your efforts and what you're doing at SoftBet, and how do you help the company to flourish, grow? What KPIs or metrics do you use to measure your success? So for, for us, the first measurement of, of success is the happiness of our people. Sounds a bit cliche, um, but it's genuinely a, a focus for us as an organization. If we, we, if we can ensure that our staff are challenged, are in an environment where they can flourish and, and develop as individuals, then we know that we will be successful. So internally, you're saying? Exactly, our staff, exactly. We concentrate the, on this on a daily basis. We, we try to develop everybody that we have within the organization. And it, it's really refreshing, actually, um, that w we understand the strengths and weaknesses of each other and we work together in order to help develop. So this is that's a really first important factor for Softibit. And it's, it's something that we will maintain and continue to do because it gives you a sort of 10, 15% uplift on the competition if they're not doing a similar have a similar approach now in terms of externally okay so i suppose well I, I know in fact that from a b2b perspective that customer satisfaction is key okay so um, we we have several b2b partners that we operate with and as a software provider there's challenges um and there's prioritization that we need to work with and we need to bring all this together and create a perfect storm whereby all of our customers are satisfied with what we're delivering them. Um, and if they are satisfied, then they grow because they're concentrating on developing their brand and, and, and creating value and revenue within the brand itself. Um, and, and ultimately what that does is it also creates a, an environment where we get recommended. So they go to their contacts and they say, okay, if you're trying to create a brand and you're trying to move forward, Softibet is the place to go. So it's, again, it sounds pretty cliched, but it's about driving positive feeling, both with the internal staff, okay? Because what your internal staff say, say about you externally is, is pivotal to success in B2B. Um, and then what the customer's saying about you as well. Um, so yeah, that I, I think those 
the, the, the employee and the customer satisfaction are the, the key areas whereby you can drive all of the other KPIs. Listen, we could sit down and we could talk about revenue, margin, ARPU, lifetime value. We could it all sit, comes down to... Yeah, but it all comes down to these simple things. I think we complicate business sometimes. Um, now, if there's a, as I said earlier, if there's a trend and we see one of these KPIs dropping, our staff are happy in order to deal with it and create a strategy in order to alleviate any challenges we have. But if the person wasn't happy, then it would never get dealt with properly. So that's why that's that precurses the actual KPIs themselves. And lastly, to close off, Martin, what's in store for the future for soft to bet And are there any markets and more that you're looking into? Yeah, we're, we're constantly looking at opportunity in terms of developing markets. Um, as you've seen, we've, we've entered seven. Um, seven in the past 18, 24 months. So that's been really... Really interesting, and there's more on the horizon. Yes, there's there's no question. We want to drive our um, solutions into regulated markets. Um, you may have seen recently that we did announce that in twenty four, uh, we do plan to enter um, the states as well. So that's on the on the horizon as well. We're really looking forward to that. I've done a bit of work in the states before, and there's challenges, different challenges from from Europe and LATAM. Um, but there are challenges that we can certainly face and, and, and drive value in. So, yes, there's definite, expan- definite expansion on the, on the horizon. As a, as a tech solution, we will continue to make improvements to the solution that we have. Technology is changing. It seems to be changing every day. As a, a guy who's, who's been in this industry for 20 years, I look back and I see things that are changing and have conversations with people and there's new elements coming to the fore every single every single week I hear about new things I'm like wow okay so we're very much behind that we're definitely a tech driven organisation product driven organisation and we're engaged we, we are engaging with these new technologies in order to improve the solution that we have and have something more compelling for the market um, on, on a quarter by quarter basis and you'll, you'll definitely hear more about it as these things come through thank you so much for that Martin I would extend my sincere um, gratitude for you coming over here and explaining to us all these invaluable insights thanks for your time Maria it was appreciated and with that we come to a conclusion thank you for joining us as we explore this fascinating world of business development digital markets and gamification in the iGaming sector Stay tuned for more engaging episodes and until next time, keep innovating and thriving in your own endeavors.